Hey, everybody, it's Jordan Rudis from Dream Theater, and you are presently watching Sonic Perspectives. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I'm Rodrigo, and my guest today is the keyboard wizard himself from Dream Theater, Liquid Tension Experiment, and many other bands, Mr. Jordan Rudas. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Nice to see you. Yeah, likewise. Well, first of all, you're in the middle of a run of solo shows in the U.S. with a very intimate setting. How have the shows been so far? I've done two shows so far. And it was great to get out there and do them. You know, I'm coming off of about two months of a European Dream Theater tour, followed by the NAM show, which for yeah. those of you in the music business, you know how crazy that is. Yeah. And then I went directly to do my solo shows. So it was like a real whirlwind. It was crazy. And I just, you know, in the middle of doing all the Dream Theater shows, my brain was trying to organize how I was going to do these solo shows. And so... As things go, you know, it came together and I got a plan. I didn't get to practice as much as I wanted to because oh. we were going from country to country and, you know, the scheduling was madness. But um, but I put it together and I did the shows and I feel great because I love doing the solo shows. It's really fun for me. It's great to go out and do my own thing. And uh, I just musically, it's just a wonderful feeling. And now I feel even better because I got through those. I have a plan. I know what I want to do. I've got the technical part of it kind of like in my brain. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing a summer of many shows, about uh, 22 more shows to go. Yeah. And, uh, and you did a tour called From Bach to Rock a few years ago. Was that a yeah. similar kind of repertoire, kind of similar setting or... Well, the, the difference, I guess, between Bach to Rock and what I'm doing now is Bach to Rock was really a very um, organized presentation of kind of like mm. my career, starting from classical music to now and talking about it and walking people through the journey. Uh, this is not so much like that, although I do like starting off and playing some Bach because it, this is who I am and shows mm. people a little bit more about me. Uh, and I do and I do certainly talk about my interests, but it's not as much about that kind of thing. It's more that I'm just doing the things that I love to do and showing some cool technology, even playing some guitar and, you know, and, and just playing. <laughs> and I'm very proud of this new Dream Theater medley that I put together that I'm actually still refining because I played <laughs> it twice. But I didn't, as I said, I didn't have enough. I didn't feel like, you know, my usual um, self in terms of the amount of practice that I like to do before I go out and play. It was unusual right. to have that, to, to do that. But now I've been home for a while and I've been focusing on it and really manipulating and refining. And like, mm -hmm. uh, so when I go out again, I've got this kind of very dialed in, you know, dream, new dream theater medley that's yeah. very substantial. I'm really proud to present it. 
Yeah, I saw it on YouTube the other day, and it's just amazing how the transitions go from one track it's to the next. It's going to be much better. That's very yeah. sweet. I, I, I listened to it. I played it, and I listened to it. And, I, and again, I didn't have the time that I needed. So mm -hmm. I want to erase that from YouTube and do it again because oh. you know, it's very, very com it's, it's complicated. I bet, yeah. So many songs, and it's on the piano, <laughs> and it's you know it's a big transition to go from the band sound to the piano. So in thinking about it, I feel like I've made it a lot better, and now also practicing it. So I want I want to erase that from history that I did it. Although it wasn't, I guess it wasn't so bad. But let's erase that, and I'll yeah. do it again. And one of these days, I'll record it properly as well. Right. I too. better save that link from YouTube then and download it. As yeah, soon as possible. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. Right, right. Well, and it's been a while since Dream Theater did a medley. Uh, is there any reason for that? I mean, your medley is just so cool. It's Illumination Theory, Octave Verm, these walls, songs that you haven't played in a while, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. It's really fun to do that because <laughs> our repertoire is so large. Yeah. And it's really fun also to, 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 you know, to take what is a band sound and figure out how to make it work on the piano. Yeah, uh, it's a big job. It's a huge job. But luckily, I, I also worked with my protege, Aaron Boschberg, who mm. was the uh, conductor, you know, in Breaking the Fourth Wall. Uh, and also, he is the one who I found out when he was just a teenager, and he helped to orchestrate my explorations piece. And okay. when, we, when we premiered it in Venezuela, he was the conductor at a very young age super talented, kind of went off the radar a little bit for a while just with personal things, but now he's back and we work together because he's the perfect person. He knows the theater <laughs> repertoire as well as anybody in the planet. And so he and I work together on organizing this and kind of shaping it. And then he also uh, transcribed it for me. So um, yeah, it's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, well, you added some interesting covers too, Elton John, David Bowie, and I guess these were all key songs in your musical upbringing, right? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Early seventies uh, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, part of the what I in my in my travels through Europe and my experiences with what I'm doing with my life, you know, one of the things that I what, that I'm doing now is I'm a quote unquote ambassador for a company called Moises mm. uh, AI that's originated in Brazil and. Um, a bunch of really cool people doing some very great musical, magical technology stuff. And what it does is it the, the application is like an iOS kind of Android desktop mm. piece of software, but it enables you to take any audio file and separate out the track. So anybody can have access to like whatever they want. They can do a dream theater song and just, you know, have the guitar and the bass and the drums and the voice all on separate tracks. So if they're practicing guitar, they can take out a part and just play it themselves. So I realized, wow, this is so cool. I can mm. be doing, I can be showing kind of like, you know, this amazing music technology that I'm involved in and do these incredible duets. <laughs> like I took, you know, the song Soon by Yes. And I'm like yeah. on stage, I'm kind of like showing how you can do like a duet with John Anderson. So for me, yeah. it's perfect because uh, it covers all the bases. You know, I get to show the technology. I get to, to, to entertain the crowd with something really special. Uh, I did a version of Moonchild at the last show. Uh, yeah, which Moonchild is that? Is that that's not the Iron Maiden Moonchild, right? No, 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 no. That's <laughs> that's the King. I don't even know that one. That's the King Crimson. Uh, okay, Moonchild. <laughs> got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Well, speaking of influences, you played with Deep Purple a few years ago in Mexico, and I remember. I think it was just a one-off replacing Don Airy, right? 
Um, yes, right. Yeah. I mean, I think you could play that material in your sleep, but that must have been quite an experience for you, right? Uh, like was, John Lord's parts, right? It was amazing. It happened so quickly. It was a whirlwind. You know, mm. a lot of things in, in, I guess, a professional career happened in this in, happen in this way that it's just like you know you get an offer for something you learn all the music you play it and then you're on something else yeah so i would say that that was like a whirlwind adventure where i got home from a dream theater tour it was right before covid hit very mm. hard Matter yeah. fact, the show was like the day before the world closed down i i always say and i think it's true it was the last big rock show before covid hit yeah. and it's not i'm not kidding that's what it was yeah it was like yeah. you know for tons of people in mexico in the festival it was nutty wild and crazy but um yeah so I got home and I you know I learned all the music I had some of my transcriber friends write some of it because I respond very well to like musical notation mm -hmm. so I could see it and I could learn it quickly and then one of the things I did that was really interesting uh is that for the you know deep purple the keyboard parts are very much based on the rock organ sound yeah, Hammond. About, Hammond. about the Hammond so being the technology guy that I am, one of the people that I, or one of the companies I was working with at the time is called IK Multimedia, and they came out with this Hammond BX3. Uh, I'm sure that that's the right what it's called, or B3X. We have to check uh, software that is like the best Hammond emulation mm -hmm. possible. <clears throat> and so I was able to. The end result of all that is I was able to play all the Hammond parts running off my iPad, <laughs> the software was on my iPad. So I just connected my, my what was it, my Kronos keyboard mm. to the iPad and everything that was an organ was coming off of there. And it sounded unbelievable. It sounded great to the point where when I was in rehearsal, the Deep Purple guys, they didn't even blink. They just were like, that sounds <laughs> cool. That sounds awesome. I didn't, I don't even know if I told them it's like coming off my iPad. They, right. they didn't want to know. All they wanted to know is that it sounded really right. Of course. So I was very, very pleased with that. I mean, not, you know, I'm not like a Hammond guy. Certainly, I come from more of a, you know, classical piano and then yeah. synthesizer background. But through the years with Dream Theater, you know, I've done my share of like organ parts. And yeah. I've even got like a, uh, it's not a, it's not a B3, but it's a, it's a Hammond thing that a newer Hammond keyboard they make. But the software is unbelievable. And it sounded great. And I did I that. It was a great yeah. experience. Yeah, I was at the Dream Theater show in Japan where you did the Made in Japan album. That was cool to oh, see too. Yeah, and that I did with the Kronos, which yeah. the organ sounds were not as good as the iPad yeah. sounds. Well, that was a, a unique experience for sure. And, yes, you know, yes. Happy to have been there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. And back to your solo shows, I know I noticed you're also singing on a few spots, including the Beneath la, la, the Surface. La, la. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and you, you did vocals yeah. on your solo album, Wire for Madness, too. Sure. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, as you know. So, I mean, I like to sing, you know, I'm a musical person. I like to sing and it's always nice. I mean, my voice is lit like two octaves lower than James Labrie's, <laughs> you know, and I'm kind of at a point with singing, especially in the live shows where um, I don't know for a fact that I, I'm going to sing if I can. I also suffer from some allergies these days and, I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not... Uh, I just, you know, say to people, if I'm feeling like I can do it that night, I will, you know, and so far I've been lucky and I kind of feel like, okay, I certainly I'm not in a position as a professional singer who has no choice. Yeah. You know, they just have to sing no matter how they feel. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I sing when I, when I, 
when I can. <laughs> and the great thing about it is that I'm my own accompanist. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I can take time when I want. I can la la la, and then I can play a little piano part, and then it's come easy. back in, and it's very fluid in that sense, and it's really yeah. enjoyable as well. So yeah. a very personal kind of thing. Right. And you're practicing guitar a lot more these days. And I think you're moving to Strandberg guitars, right? Uh, what motivated that change? Uh, well, you know, over the... Okay, so I've been playing the guitar on and off, mostly off for mm. like my whole life. But I, but when I say that, I let's make it clear that I played guitar maybe two days in a course of a year, like for <laughs> most of my life. I would never really... I pick it up occasionally and just like to doodle around. Uh, there's that one time when they captured me playing guitar because I had to, like, during liquid, <laughs> a liquid tension experiment experience because my keyboard stopped working. Right. So there were a lot of instruments on stage, and I could always pick it up and do something, even though I wasn't really practicing. Right. So I went and I tapped to John Petrucci, who at the time had his head down doing some amazing thing on his guitar. I was like, <laughs> guitar, I'll play a little bit. And he moved to the Chapman stick and Tony Levin moved to the bass. And oh, that's wow. part of history. But that was one of the two days that I had played guitar that year. Fast forward to about seven, maybe closer to eight months now. I looked down at the guitars because John Bertrucci, you know, is awesome. And he, and he through the years had kind of gifted me a couple of his amazing guitars and, you know, which I played a little bit. And, and then more recently I got hold of a Strandberg guitar, which the Strandberg guy sent me mm -hmm. uh, and through Pelini, Pliny, you know, this Pliny. amazing guitar player. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of looked at these and I was like, I should really, I should really like spend more time playing the guitar because why not? I mean, I've got these guitars. I, I like the yeah. guitar. I, you know, I want to do it. So I got inspired and I started to practice every day and which I've been doing, like literally, I think I've played every day mm. for the last <laughs> months. It's incredible. And I've been enjoying it so much, especially the Strandberg guitar, because it's so comfortable. It's so ergonomic to take with me anywhere I go. It's light. It feels good. And, you know, I mean, nothing against like John Petrucci's guitar, which of course they're probably the, you know, the Mercedes State of the arts, the Rolls yeah. Royce of guitars, but <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm just learning. And this thing is really light and it's beautiful yeah. and it's well-made and it works for me right now. I want to make sure people are clear, you know, on that. John is you know, the master of guitar and makes beautiful instruments. Yeah. Um, but for me right now in my learning process and what I'm doing, this is really comfortable and I can take it anywhere. It's super light. And I really have a lot of respect for the ergonomic design that they, that yeah. they build. So I am playing some guitar in the shows as well. Oh, got it. Yeah. One song I'm playing that's getting better now. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that. That's great to share a little bit of, of that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let me ask you about some of your unique keyboards. Uh, the Harpeggi is one that you consider bringing on tour, but I don't think it ever happened. Yeah. Uh, also, you used, uh, you used to have like a curved one, and I saw you do that on the Along for the Ride tour. Right. Uh, and finally, the Continuum. Any plans to use that uh, anytime soon? No, they're all, those are all really good questions because, you know, I'm involved <laughs> in all these different controllers and people are always sending me instruments and I'm yeah. like, I love it. But sometimes it's like, <laughs> you know i'll play it and i'll go like this is amazing but then i have to focus on something you know yeah uh with the harpeggi so um yeah so i tried the harpeggi years ago i played it a little bit and it's, i have a lot of respect for the design of that instrument and what it does but i didn't feel like it was something after living with it a little bit mm -hmm. i didn't 
feel like it was really something that I needed, wanted to be part of my, you know, everyday musical life. I have so many right. different things to do. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where it was at. I mean, it was really cool. I love the idea of playing a stringed instrument right in front of me. And maybe one of these days I'll pick it up again now that I'm playing more like string instrument like that, like the guitar, just to see. But I wasn't mm -hmm. inspired. I wasn't inspired to bring it with me through the course of my personal journey. So I kind of let it let it go. Um, and then the other thing you asked about, oh, the new motion controller. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so really, it was more they asked me to kind of like be involved and to help them because they were a company that was kind of trying to develop the ideas and everything. And I found that it was, I found that in the state state that it was in, it was a little more of a showpiece kind of a cool thing rather than ergonomically making a lot of sense. Yeah. And even electronically the way that the way that it controlled things, it, it didn't, it wasn't totally there for me. It was really <laughs> cool that I used it and it looked cool and, you know, uh, but Again, this is an instrument that kind of passed through my my uh, radar, which I used to, to as I did. Um, and the continuum, well, that instrument has a lot of history with me because the continuum, obviously, I used on some very important uh, recordings like yes. Octavarium and Concord, yeah. and, <laughs> and also the other the other thing that's important about the continuum is that it was the first hardware instrument that that um, used this kind of three D touch that has become an integral part of my musical world with all the other instruments I use and all the apps I create. So it all kind of started with the continuum mm -hmm. and, the, and the original iPhones that were, you know, doing amazing things with touch. Yeah. So that, that instrument has remained more in, more in my life, although I don't, I don't play it that often, but it's more possible that, you know, that could come back into like a recording or something like that, just because it's an amazing instrument. And Lippold Hocken, the guy who invented it, is also always refining the idea and has come out like last year or whatever. He sent me a new version of it, which is a thinner version, more oh, okay. dialed in, like really, uh, you know, just a level up from what it used to be. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the story with that. Yeah. And uh, one of the cool things you did recently is the Sunflower EP uh, to help Ukraine. That is still available, right? In your website? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's uh, on Bandcamp. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Certainly through my website. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the recent releases we're part of, or well, not so recent anymore, but is the third liquid tension experiment. Uh, what would be more likely at this point, a fourth album or a tour of liquid tension? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I mean, the touring thing, as we know, has been very complicated. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's kind of backed up with touring. And so it's hard to say. I mean, we haven't really entertained uh, a liquid tension tour since we've been working so hard on just getting the things back to normal that have to happen. So yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, from that point of view, maybe it's more realistic that we would go and do another album first. Okay. But uh, when remains to be discussed, right? Yeah, all the when, the when. Yeah. If some whens and buts. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you're doing the solo tour until August, and then there's a complete change of gears as Dream Theater resumes touring. Uh, what are the other guys doing between tour legs? 
<laughs> yeah. What are the other guys doing? <laughs> I'll have to catch up with them. I kind I know. I I generally know what they do. You know, like right. Mancini is doing his online courses, and you know he's amazing with his setup there, this drum room and his Zoom yeah. and all the students and everything like that. And John Mayung, of course, we know is sitting at home and he's practicing, practicing, of course, shredding in silence, doing <laughs> drills and exercises, and you know, in the basement. Uh, and yeah. John Petrucci, I think, has a new line of bourbon out, and uh, you know he's busy with his products and his very full life with everything that he does. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not exactly you know sure, but I'm sure he's being very productive as he always is. Yeah. Uh, and James is has a promoting, solo, as you know, has has his new solo album. I see he's still actively getting the word out and promoting. Yeah. So everybody, everybody in this group is very productive and busy doing you know doing their stuff. Yeah. And you're playing the Rock in Rio Festival in my homeland in a few months. Uh, I just saw yesterday that there was a change in the lineup and Iron Maiden will play before Dream Theater. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a, I, that's a good opening act right there. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a first, I think. There's a first time for everything, but Maiden, you know, uh, opening for Dream Theater is a first. I don't, think that's sure. the way, I don't think that's the way they're looking at it, but <laughs> we can yeah. look at it. That. It's good for my ego to look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I saw the tour here in Toronto, and this time you're not doing the evening with format. Right. Can we expect this to go back in the future at some point, or what's the... Well, maybe. I don't know. Everybody kind of feels like, you know, we were... So many years we were playing such long shows, and yeah. it's so exhausting. You know, it's just kind of yeah. like, give us a break. Like, let us be human <laughs> here, you know? Like, I kind of feel like... I don't know. Like for yeah. me, doing these shows and having an opening act really works uh, nicely. Yeah. I'm not saying it will never happen again, certainly. But for right now, it's kind of yeah. like a good thing to allow people to breathe a little and not have to yeah. kill themselves. But so, <laughs> so long shows. Of course. Yeah, for James, too. I mean, it's, it's oh, some rest for yeah. his life. Yeah. Hey, last time I checked, he was a human being. So, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You got to yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, a view from the top of the world to me is a highlight of this lineup. It's probably my favorite since Mangini joined. Um, mm. How would you compare like the way you channel your creativity now versus when you joined the band? I mean, yeah. does that come from the same spot, the same process? Or Well, you know, when I joined the band, there was many, there was a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. Even though I had worked with John and Mike in Liquid Tension Experiment, still when I walked into Dream Theater, it was very different. And it was very different because, first of all, we've got a singer in the band, but maybe even mostly because it's, it was a style that had been developed and almost secured and turned into a, even in those days, you could almost say it was like the dream theater brand. Yeah. So I needed to learn and, 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 and just be, yeah, just be educated what that really was all about. You know, uh, first of all, it was a new thing to me to have this international audience with all these eyes on everything and all these people who were so, you know, like engaged with it all and everything, every move we made would matter to them. So yeah. I, so I spent some time really absorbing that and learning how all that works and then how it affects what I do in the group, like what things that I, anything was possible in liquid tension experiment. because it was just like a soup with all of us throwing in our ideas and mixing it up. But in dream theater, you're walking into something that's established already. Yeah. Oh, and luckily for me, you know, I could relate. That's why they hired me. I could <laughs> understand and relate to the styles that they were doing. But still, I'm a different person having not been in that group and established what they had done up to that point. So how right. the question was, how am I going to fit in, which was a big question, 
um, which they assumed I could, you know, so how to fit in, but also the challenge was how to fit in, but also offer what Jordan Rudis can bring yeah. to the situation. So that, you know, is definitely a learning curve. So, you know, over the years, so now it's been what, how many years, 23 years or something like that. Wow. And I feel, and I feel like, yeah, I understand the parameters here. I know what I'm dealing with orchestrationally. I know what I'm dealing with stylistically. I'm still not the one who's the keeper of the dream theater brand style. I mean, right. I still can all of a sudden play something that's like Frank Zappa or who the <laughs> hell knows what, you know, at a, like a Broadway show or, and people will look at me like going, hmm, not sure that hmm, maybe a solo album. <laughs> so, I mean, I like, I, that's who I am. I'm all, I'm musically here. I'm musically there. Yes, I can do this, but I'm also, you know, all over the place. Um, so I think, but that, they also depend on me for that because Dream Theater is a group that that's part of what we do. You know, we're okay yeah. we're down the line here, but also we're, oh, wow, it sounds a little like this. And that's what makes it progressive and quirky and cool. And, you know, there's sections in our songs which kind of go to make a turn and you go, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> yeah. That's part of my, as part of my, my role in, in bringing some of that into the, uh, into the mix. Yeah. So, but at this point, the difference is that I'm very, I'm much more clear on how I fit into this group that I was not an original member that I joined. So, right. You know, yeah. even 23 years later, that has a, it's kind of like a place in the, in the way that things happen. Got it. Well, interesting. Interesting to notice that. Mm -hmm. And kind of to celebrate the good moment that you guys are in, uh, you won a Grammy. Uh, we recently. did? Oh my <laughs> God, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question is, are accolades like this important to you? I mean, of yeah. course, Grammy is like something to celebrate for sure, right? Sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So my perspective of it is this, like, you know, for many years when I joined Dream Theater, the Grammys were like, that was like, that didn't involve Dream Theater. That was a whole yeah. different thing. There was no possibility on earth that we were doing a Grammy because we were progressive metal group and that's not, wasn't part of our world. Yeah. And, you know, not that many years ago, all of a sudden we were like, wait a minute, oh, why not? Yeah. Like, why shouldn't it be? We're a very popular group all around the world and we're doing music like other people and we should be we should try to get recognized so you know with our own intention and also with the help of record the record company we kind of put some energy in that area and let people know that hey, mm. hey hello we're dream theater like notice us and this right. is our music this is our song let's try to fit it into a category let's make it work and in in applying energy to that and everything we were able to secure you know uh three nominations yeah, years. And this is all actually after uh, our founder, uh, Mike Portnoy left, which is incredible to think about because there was yeah. a lot of music when Portnoy was in the band that was also, you know, really great. Grammy worthy. <laughs> I think so. I mean, yeah, Spirit carries on and you know, you, like you go back and you look at the catalog. This is great stuff. Of course. I don't say so myself. Um, <laughs> so, but the way the world works and the way that worked for us is we kind of entered that that area later on and got noticed and our career, you know, evolved to be that. And now, you know, this year, of course, we were nominated and then we won. Yes. Um, which is incredible <laughs> because we really did apply ourselves to that goal. And we've been working so hard all these years. And it's the one award that I feel does make a huge difference in one's career. And it's because 
everybody and their mother knows what a Grammy is. So it's yeah. the first thing that goes on everybody's resume. You know, it's it, it's it it works in that way. It opens doors. It's uh, yeah, it's an amazing award, and it's great to be recognized by your peers because the Grammy. The, the way the voting works is that your your peers are voting for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, and I have to say it's all good. I'm just waiting for my my Grammy to arrive. Oh cool, yeah. Well, I think you're eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already. Maybe that's in the cards soon. I don't know. And I don't we can know. have like a, a reunion kind of thing. <laughs> from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping you guys can uh, just get together and jam. I don't know some sort of celebration like that. Yeah. That'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, before I let you go, uh, are there any plans for Dream Theater to tour Australia, New Zealand this time around? I mean, another run of North America in Europe? Fantastic question. Well, yeah, um, I know more about the idea of coming back to North America and going okay. back to Europe. I mean, in general, conceptually speaking, although there's no dates, I mean, mm -hmm. usually we do two runs in Europe, two bigger runs in Europe, and we do two bigger runs in the US. So, yeah everything flowing the way it should. I'm, plan I'm planning that one of these days I'll get some dates thrown at me you know, <laughs> to, uh, to go back and do both of those legs. Um, as far as Australia goes, that's a question. I mean, I know that I'm not sure what's going on there, like COVID wise or whatever, but I know that that's an area we generally cover. And also we are going to Japan, but we're only doing like one show there, which is the Download Festival. Yeah, it's a festival. But there's more to do there too. So I don't know. So, you know, it's all a little tricky because of the world having shut down and then things opening yeah. up and kind of trying to figure out how to do all this yeah. when every other band is in the same situation and, you know, vying for dates. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but there's definitely a lot more touring to come. And yeah. We'll know when we'll know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, nice chatting with you as always. All the best with the next dates and uh, hoping you can come to Toronto sometime soon. Awesome. Nice to yeah. see you. Thank you for the good interview and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Okay.